Can I just tell you today that we love you and we're glad you're here, but we make no apologies for lifting up the name of Jesus Christ in this house. I, I got to tell you something, guys. Uh, it's all about him. It is all about him, and, and we want you to come, and, and we want you to enjoy this environment. We want you to enjoy coming to church here, but I'll tell you something. If we got to put Jesus in a corner for people to enjoy coming, then they're not going to enjoy coming because we are not going to hide Jesus in this church. We love Jesus. We praise him, and you're going to see some people who maybe worship outside your comfort zone as it relates to as it relates to their, their style of worship or their outwardness in worship. But here's what you need to understand. You don't know what God has done for them. You don't know where they were when God found them. You don't know what kind of trouble they were in and what kind of stuff they came out of. And when you see somebody dancing before the Lord, you see somebody shouting praises, you see somebody who's maybe a little bit outside your comfort zone, you just chill right there where you are. We're not trying to make you do that, but you respect that person because you don't know where they came from. Can I get an amen on that right there? Amen, amen. Amen. And uh, we're all about, you know, you coming in and leaving and going, you know, even if you're not, even if you haven't come to Jesus yet in your life, even if you're still investigating Jesus, you're trying to figure out who Jesus is and you're trying to figure out why should I believe in Jesus and not Buddha, you know? I mean, you may be here with that question in your mind. And we welcome you. We welcome you as you ask those questions and investigate Jesus. But let me just say one more time, we are not going to hide him to make anybody comfortable in this church, okay? And I don't think you want that. I think when you come here, you want to encounter God, don't you? i, I got to tell you something. I've been to churches that were all about going through some ritual or going through some order of service. And, and I know there's order. And I know there's even some, uh, you know, sacrament and, and um, uh, ritual in our churches. And there has to be an order of service. But can I tell you that Farrell Hardison, I don't pastor this church. Jesus is our shepherd, and I'm his under-shepherd. And when he wants to move in a worship service, and he wants to work, and he wants to kind of get us to delay things a little bit so he can do what he wants to do, let me tell you something, we're calling time out for Jesus, and he can do anything he wants to do in our church. Okay? And, and so you say, mm, that scares me just a little bit. Well, fear not. Fear not, because God will never do anything that will, um, that will not be something that's peaceful. It'll always be peaceful. The Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. And he hasn't come to make a fool out of anybody. He has come to just help you worship your creator, the one who made you. Amen, amen. And that sermon right there, free of charge, no charge right there. I'm going to let you all have that one for nothing. And we're going to get right into the Word of God, because we have been in the book of Psalms for three months. Chapter 23, Psalm 23, longest series I've done in a long, long time. I did a series on the book of Joshua uh, one time at the old location, and uh, it lasted about that length of time. My series now are kind of uh, about four sermons, and the next one is called uh, Money Talks, but he ain't listening. So be here next Sunday, and... And uh, we're going to talk about money, but I'm not going to, it's not going to be a series where I'm going to harp on you to give more to the church. I promise you. I promise you. We're just going to, you just make your $2,000 donation every Sunday and we're not going to say a word. All right? Is that fair enough? <clears throat> and so uh, be here. Let's talk about money. The Bible has a lot to say about money. And if you don't have that part of your life in order spiritually, then it's going to hinder all the rest of your spiritual life. So we got to get that right. Amen. Amen. And so be here next week. We're going to have a lot of fun. We've got some skits planned and got some um, creative stuff planned. So we hope you'll be here for that. And then the next series after that one is called um, How to Let Off a Little Steam Without Getting Burned. And we're going to talk about anger. You know, the Bible doesn't say don't anger, don't be angry. The Bible says anger, but what? Sin not, don't sin. Okay? So we're going to talk about how to be holy and ticked off at the same time. See, y'all thought we couldn't be ticked off. I'm going to tell you it's all right. 
You won't be here for that. Um, you know what I believe in the 23rd Psalm? I believe we have the heartbeat of the entire Word of God. I believe if you really get into the 23rd Psalm, you're going to find it's almost like, right, you know, the 23rd Psalm is almost right in the center of the Bible. And um, I believe the heartbeat of God's Word is in this chapter. Let me tell you what the enemy wants to do to you. <clears throat> the enemy wants you to think negatively about God. He wants you to think negatively about God. He, um, he wants you to have a distorted view of God. He wants you to see God in a way that the Bible and God who wrote the Bible never intended for you to see him. Let me just give you an illustration. But let me tell you why. Let me tell you why he wants you to think negatively about God. Here's why Satan, and we believe that there is a power in this earth, a dark power, and we believe that person is Satan. We believe in the devil here at this church. You say, well, I never run in the into the devil. I never run into him. Y'all keep talking about the devil. I never run into the devil. That's because you and him going in the same direction. You turn around and go the other way, you'll run head on into him. Amen, amen? You start toward Jesus and see what happens. <laughs> you're like, bam. Okay, here are three things about the devil, and I've told you this a hundred times. Let me tell you one more time. He's a decided fact. He does exist. He is a destructive force. He never wants to help you. He always wants to destroy. But hit number three, he's a defeated foe. He's a defeated foe. When Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, the devil was defeated right then. He's not going to be. He already is. But he is at work in this world right now. Matter of fact, the Bible calls him the prince of the world. And he has a strategy to get you to think negatively about God. And the reason he wants you to think negatively about God is because he knows if he can get you to do that. Listen, listen. He can manipulate you to do anything he wants you to do. He can manipulate you. If you don't have a right view of God, if you've got a messed up view of God, he can manipulate you. The enemy can manipulate you. If you've got this legalistic view of God that God's kind of mad at everybody, and God's sitting up, heaven with, sitting up in heaven with a big old uh, scouring look on his face because we've all disappointed him and he's got this big stick and he loves to catch us doing something wrong so he can whop us upside the head. you got a wrong, messed up view of God because that is not the right perspective of God. And so he wants you to think negatively. As a matter of fact, the first tactic Satan ever tried was this tactic. You remember in the Garden of Eden? And he was there with Eve, and he looked at Eve, and he said, didn't God say to you, Eve? You remember he came like a serpent? He said, didn't God tell you that you couldn't eat of any tree in this garden? Isn't that what he said? Now, that is not what he said. As a matter of fact, what he said was the exact opposite of that. Well, here's what God said. Here's what God told Adam and Eve. You can eat freely of any tree in the garden except one. But look how Satan took God's word and twisted it and said, you can't eat of any tree in the garden. Wrong. Wrong. A twisted view. A twisted view. A twisted perspective of God. He wanted Eve to think negatively about God because he knew if he could do it, he knew he would be able to manipulate Adam and Eve forever and ever. And Eve bought into it. And then Adam bought into it. And then here's what Here's what Satan said. Satan said, look, let me tell you something. He said, the reason God doesn't want you to eat this fruit, he said, is because if you eat this fruit, you'll be just like God. And God doesn't want you to be just like him. And, and, and that's why he told you, and they bought into it. Now, hear me, hear me, hear me. If you don't study your Bible, and if you don't come to know your Bible, the enemy can come to you and say, didn't God say this, and didn't God say that? And if you don't know your Bible, you'll be just like Adam and Eve. You'll go, I guess God did say that. I guess he did. You see what I'm saying? It's important to come to church. I love the singing. I love the worship. I love what I felt here this morning. I felt God here this morning. Haven't you? I felt God here this morning. I love that. But I got to tell you something. There's a whole lot of stuff that goes on Monday through Saturday that makes this what it ought to be on Sunday. And it's those quiet times with God in the Word, on your knees in prayer. And then when you come to church, it makes church rich and meaningful and deep. 
But if you're not, if, look, look, look. If the only time you have with God is here on Sunday morning, you are, you are anemic. You are spiritually anemic. You are weak and anemic. And I am challenging you today. You can't eat just one meal a day or one meal a week. You've got to be eating on food all throughout the week. Now, I've got that down, Pat. I got that. But you've got to be doing that spiritually. Amen, amen. Y'all with me this morning? Because if you don't, Satan will come in and he'll say, well, he doesn't know the word. He never studies the word. He's, the only word he gets is when he hears Pastor Farrell on Sunday. So I know he's not getting all he needs. And so, and so I'm going to just come in and say, didn't God say this? And didn't God say that? And, didn't God? and I'll have them so confused they won't know if they're going or coming. You've got to get in the word. You've got to get in the word. Get in a Bible study. Get in a small group. If you don't know about our small groups, call out here during the work. The church phone number's on your worship program. Go, I want to get in one of those small groups and get in a Bible study where you can learn some things. You know, we don't have traditional Sunday school anymore because traditional Sunday school for us just wasn't working. But you've got to have something where people get discipled. And the primary way we do that, and we have classes on Wednesday night, and we have some other classes that we offer, Beth Moore Bible Studies and all of that. Get in that stuff. Get in it. And then get in a small group so you can meet at least monthly with another group of believers, a small group of believers where you can study the Bible together. And the people said, okay. Now, why does Satan want us to think negatively about God? Here's why. So he can manipulate us. And this is a strategy he uses even today, and here's why he uses it. Because if he can get this going, it makes you think God, God is this big party pooper. That you just think God looks down from heaven, and if he sees you having a good time or he sees you enjoying life, uh, that he's going to come down like some cosmic killjoy and just break up your party. If you talk to your unchurched friends and you ask them, say, describe God, describe what you think about God, describe that to me, they will describe oftentimes this cosmic killjoy God in heaven who's up there and doesn't want you to ever smile, doesn't want you to ever laugh, doesn't want you to ever enjoy life. He just wants you to kind of bite the bullet till Jesus comes. I want to tell you something, that is a misconception of God. A lot of people think serving God, going to church, church is like taking bad medicine just so you can get to heaven. It's not like that. And I want to say something to you I've said before. If there were no heaven, I would serve Jesus. If there were no heaven to gain, if there were no hell to shun, I would still follow Jesus because my life has been way better since I gave my life to Jesus. So I don't serve Jesus so I get my little ticket to heaven. I'm telling you right now today, I would serve Jesus if when I died, it was like turning the light off and there was no heaven, there was no eternity, there was no afterlife, but I could still serve him in this life. I would serve him because my life has been better since turning it over to Jesus. So it's not bad medicine to get to heaven. What a distorted idea. Of the goodness of our God. Let's look at the verse to, that we're going to focus on for a little bit today. Psalm 23, 5 says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. I know this is going to stun you, but there are three things in this verse. Three things. I am the pastor of three things. Amen. Number one, you know what I see in this verse? I see a prepared table. A prepared table. Thou preparest a table before me. Listen, this is so important. I want you to get this. This means, this means, and look, as we go through this study today, some of you think God's got a bad opinion of you. Some of you think you've done some stuff in your past that God will never forgive you of. Let me tell you something, God can forgive you. Here's where the problem is, you're having a hard time forgiving you. you got to forgive you. And you've got to accept the forgiveness of Jesus for anything in your past. I'm telling you, here's what God thinks of you. Thou preparest, thou, Jehovah God, preparest a table before me. This means that God, Holy, holy Jehovah God has put on an apron 
And he has set the table and put out his best linen tablecloth. He has put out his best linen napkins. He's put out the best silverware. He's put out the best china. He has lit the candles and prepared a table for you. Now, why do we set the table? Why do we set the table in our house? Because usually we want to honor whoever it is who's coming. We want to honor them. Now, sometimes Millie lets me set the table. And when I set the table, nobody's coming over. Nobody's coming. I go, honey, can I set the table for you? Yes, since it's just me and you, go ahead. Because you have no idea where the napkin goes, where the forks go, where anything goes. So go ahead, since it's just me and you. But if we've got guests coming over, Millie wouldn't dare let me set the table. Because I don't know where it goes. I always get it confused. I mean, I'm a semi-intelligent man, but I can't figure out where the fork and the knife and the spoon goes when we set the table. But she knows where it all goes. And when we've got special guests coming over, Millie gets involved and she tells everybody to back off. And if she needs us to do something, she lets us know because she wants to honor whoever's coming in that door. Can I tell you that the Lord has prepared a table for you? Listen to me. He hasn't even asked the angels to do it. He hasn't even told the angels, go prepare a table. He hasn't told all the saints of old and the Old Testament saints that are in heaven. He hasn't told them, go prepare a table for Pharaoh. Go prepare a table. He said, I'll prepare it. Because, listen, listen, listen. You are so special. You are so special to me. I love you so much that I, Jehovah God, will put on an apron. And prepare a table for you. This is how much God loves you. The prepared table. The prepared table. The second thing I see here is the anointing of the head. You see, in that Middle Eastern culture, there was a cruise of oil, spikenard, a very precious perfume oil that sat right by the door. And when people would come over for dinner, when they were invited over, they would knock on the door and the host would come and open the door. And the minute they walked in the door... There would be someone there, a servant, to wash their feet. How about that? There would be a servant there to wash their feet. And then the host would dip his fingers in the oil, that very expensive oil. Do you all remember when Jesus uh, was over at the house of Mary and Martha and, and uh, Lazarus? And you remember how Mary went and broke the box of spikenard, that oil, and brought it over and just poured the whole thing on Jesus, his hair. And then she took her hair and she wiped his feet with it. You talk about gossip. I bet there was some gossip in the community about that. And she just poured that oil all over Jesus. And there were people who murmured, murmur, 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 murmur. They were just criticizing. Do you know it doesn't take much size to criticize? Anybody can do it. Amen. Stop criticizing and be thankful. Instead of them criticizing Mary, why didn't they say, oh, look at her worship her Lord. Look at her worship her Lord. See, some of y'all, while the choir was singing, you were... I just don't know if I like that. See, so you sitting out there judging. What you ought to be going was, man, look at them worshiping the Lord. Maybe you would say, I, that's not my stuff. I don't worship the Lord like that. But look how they worship the Lord. See, that's what they did with Mary. Mary walked in there. She didn't take the top off that thing and say, here, Jesus, hold out your hand. I'm going to give you a little bit of this spike in her. She broke the box. She intended for Jesus to have every bit of it. And she poured it all over him. And there were those who murmured against her. Now the one who was murmuring against her in that story was Judas. <laughs> Judas. I mean, if I'm going to be criticized by somebody in the Bible, let it be Judas. That'll be fine. He said, we could have sold this and given the money to the poor. And he's going to sell Jesus in the next chapter for a bag of silver. Doofus. Jesus said, when they started murmuring against Mary, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, let her alone. I bet that hushed the room, don't you? Let her alone. She's wrought a good work on me. He said, the poor you have with you always, I'll not be with you always. You know what that was? A prophecy of his death. And it went, 
right over their head. Because when he died, they were like, he's dead. You know, they, he had told them, I'm going to die. But they didn't get it. They didn't get it. She poured it all over him. And, and so what they would do, they would anoint, when you came into the door, they would anoint your hair with oil, with that oil. And while you were having your meal and while you were a guest in their home, once in a while you'd just get a whiff of that and you would remember what it meant. And what it meant was, I love you. You're special. You're important. We're so happy you're in our house. We're so happy you're here. You are so, so important to me. And the Bible says that the Lord prepares a table for me. And then the Bible says he anoints my head with oil. And all of that is to say how he feels about me. Listen, listen. When I know how God feels about me, then I can feel good about him. I can feel good about God. When I know how God feels about me. And then, not only do I see the anointing of the head and the prepared table. But I see the overflowing cup. The overflowing cup. And it's awesome. When I think about that overflowing cup, because here, look, let, let's go through it. So you got the fella, he comes to the door, knocks on the door, he walks in the door, somebody washes his feet. Somebody puts a little, uh, you know, dracar on him. Uh, Chanel number 24. And, uh, and so they're smelling good and, and they're refreshed. Listen, listen, let, let me tell you why. He, let me go back to that oil just a minute. You know why he put that oil? You know why he put that? Because it was refreshing. It was refreshing. And, and somebody here this morning, you might just need a refreshing. You, are you, is your walk with Jesus fresh? Or have you let it grow stale? He'll refresh you this morning. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? I mean, this morning right here in church, he will refresh you. He will refresh you. Let him do it. I don't know why I went back to that, but I just wanted to go back to that. Make sure you got that and understood. So he walks in the door. He gets refreshed. He gets his feet washed. He walks in a little bit further, and he sees this beautiful table with all the nice linen, all the candles are lit. Everything's just right. He sits down. And he's sitting there. Now, back in that day, they didn't have hotels and restaurants like they have today. So if you were traveling uh, during the Bible times in the Middle East, you were traveling. Uh, you know, hotels back then were very crowded. You remember Jesus went and they went to uh, birth uh, Jesus in Bethlehem, paid their taxes there. And, and they couldn't even get in the inn because it was filled with people. They're often crowded back then. They were very nasty and many times very immoral. And you remember how Jesus was born in a what? A manger. He's born outside the hotel. So, so they had what was called a law of hospitality. So you could actually just stop at somebody's house. How cool would that be? You're just driving around Goldsboro, it's lunch, you're hungry, you just go to somebody's house, go, what you got? <laughs> and if it's good, you can keep coming back. I don't know about that. But um, uh, if a traveler, he would knock on the door, and, 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 and they, it would be unthinkable to say, no, I don't have anything, I don't know, you be on your way. It was just unthinkable in that culture. What they would do is invite them in, even if they didn't know who they were. They would invite them in, and they would give them a meal, and they would do their duty and take care of them. And sometimes when a person would visit the house, you know, they would be like, you know, this person's fine and, and I'm glad I could help them and I want to do my duty. But then, you know, maybe it's getting evening time and they don't really want them to stay any longer. Y'all ever had guests that wouldn't leave? <clears throat> the guests that wouldn't leave. Sounds like a movie. And, um, and what they would do, watch this. When it came time to fill the wine glass, here's what they'd do. They'd take the wine bottle and go there and pour it half and when it was poured half full they didn't have to say a word it sent this message when you finish your strawberry shortcake it's time to hit the road that's what that meant it meant you know I've done my duty I've done what I'm supposed to do and I'm glad I could help you but half cut meant see ya see ya so you know from now on just a half a glass of tea time to move on Jack you know so I'm glad I learned that. Y'all come to my house. It's time for me to kick back in my recliner. You're getting half a glass of tea, and I want you to get the message. All right? All right. But listen, listen. If they wanted the person, if they connected with the person, and they thought, I want this person to be my friend, 
I want to spend some more time with this person. I don't want this person to leave. I want this person to stay overnight because I really have connected with them. Then they let that wine run over the sides. And it sent a message. Don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. My Bible says, my cup runneth over. And Jesus says to me, Jesus says to you, don't leave. Some of you have been going away from God, and he's pouring, and he's letting your cup run over, saying, don't go, don't go, don't go. Don't leave me. He's anointed you. He's spread a beautiful table. And he's made your cup run over the sides because he doesn't want you to leave. That's how he feels about you. I don't know what the enemy's told you about how God feels about you. I know what he wants you to think. <clears throat> he wants you to think the enemy. He wants you to think God doesn't love you. He wants you to think God doesn't care about you. He wants you to think that, that, that God's mad at you. But that is not what God is saying. Here's what Jesus said in John 15, 15. Listen to this. He said, I used to call you servants, but now I call you friends. Friends. I used to call you servants, but now I call you friends. What is a friend? A friend is someone who knows all about you but loves you anyway. Isn't that right? They know all about you. They know all your warts and all, you know. And they love you anyway. A friend is someone who goes on loving you no matter how successful either of you become. A friend is someone who believes in you when you have stopped believing in yourself. A friend is a source of celebration when you've come to believe there's nothing to celebrate. A friend is someone who runs to your side when you call and sometimes they even show up before you call. That's a friend, and all of those things are wrapped up in Jesus and how he feels about us. Are you hearing me this morning? He says, you're not my servants. Oh, I know you serve me, but I don't call you my servants. You're my friends. Isn't that beautiful? Y'all remember this old song we used to sing? You remember this old song we used to sing in church? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege to carry everything to our friend. God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Listen to this. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to our friend in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Anybody got any trials? Anybody got any temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord, your friend, in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Listen to this. Do your friends despise, forsake you? Take it to the Lord in prayer in his arms. Listen to this. He'll take and shield you. Thou wilt find peace. Solace, the Bible, the song says. Solace there. Blessed Savior, thou hast promised. Thou wilt all our burdens bear. May we ever, Lord, be bringing all to thee, our friend, in earnest prayer. Soon in glory, bright unclouded, there will be no need for prayer. Rapture, praise. And endless worship will be our sweet portion up there, up there. He's our friend. He's our friend. Listen to me. He's prepared a table. He's anointed your head. He has caused your cup to run over. This is how he feels about you. But let's look at eternity as we close this message today. The last verse of Psalm 23. Verse 26 says, Surely goodness and mercy 
shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Have you ever noticed something? I just made an observation recently, and I want to know if you agree with me. Have you ever noticed Satan has no happy old people? He's got a few happy young people. Because, you know, some of, uh, some of the young people, you know, they're kind of following Satan's plan for their life. And, and they have parties and they have a good time, you know, and they have a little, little temporary happiness. But I've never seen any happy old people who are serving him. Never have. Here's why. Because Satan always gives the best first and the worst last. Satan always gives, you young people hear me, he always gives the best first and the worst last. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 20 and 17, bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man. In other words, if you steal some bread and eat it, pretty good if you're hungry. And He said, but afterward, <laughs> but afterward his mouth will be filled with gravel. Here's what that means. Here's what that verse means. It means when you follow the enemy's plan for your life, It'll start out sweet, but it won't end sweet. Y'all hearing me today? When you start out your life serving the enemy and doing what he wants you to do and following his plan, oh, he'll make it so sweet. But the Bible says in Proverbs 20:17, it will not stay that way. See, Jesus is just the opposite. Jesus gives you the best last. Jesus gives you the best last. How many of y'all, anybody here, I've been serving the Lord about 40 years. Anybody here been serving the Lord 40 years? You've been serving the Lord 40 years or more. Would you stick your hand up? Let me see you. Man, y'all are old. Um, how, how about 30? Anybody been serving the Lord 30 years or more? Anybody been serving the Lord 20 years or more? Come on, put your hand up if you've been serving the Lord 20 years or more. Let me ask y'all something. Does it get better? It does, doesn't it? Every day with Jesus. It, come on, come on. Sweeter than the day before. <laughs> I'm singing tonight. I don't care what's on the roster. <laughs> I'm going to bust me out a song tonight. <laughs> sorry about that. I got, I'm sorry. Every day with Jesus is sweet. I didn't say there aren't battles. I didn't say there aren't trials and temptations and trouble. But he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He never takes me into a problem. He always takes me through it. Through it. Every day with Jesus is sweeter. Now, that doesn't mean it isn't good now. I mean, that doesn't mean, I'm not talking about it's just going to be good when we get to heaven. He said, let, let's read this verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Goodness and mercy. Anybody like goodness and mercy? I like that. He says, he will surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life down here. When Jesus talked about giving us life to the full, abundant life, he wasn't talking about heaven then. He was talking about here, right down here. But then he says, not only, will surely, uh, not only will goodness and mercy surely follow you all the days of your life on heaven. He says, if you'll just keep serving me, he said, one day you'll dwell with me in the house of the Lord forever. Pretty good plan. Pretty good future. Let's look at three things about heaven, and I'm going to give you those really, really quick. And I want you to get this. And I know it's 12 o'clock, but let the Baptists go. They'll just, look, let me tell you. I just pick on the Baptists. Uh, let me tell you, let them go eat, and then when they see us coming, they'll just fry up some more fresh chicken for you. I mean, it's going to be right there for you. Amen? <laughs> Number one about heaven, the assurance of it. The assurance of heaven. I'm going to give this to you in 10 minutes. Yeah, right. Uh, the assurance of heaven. Look what the verse says. Surely. See, surely at the beginning of verse 6 is not just for the first part of that verse. It's for the whole verse. Surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It is assured. It is, it, is, it is definite. It is something that you can count on. Listen, heaven is real. Heaven is real. I have come to tell you this morning. If you think heaven is some kind of fantasy land that's never really coming, you're messed up in your thinking. Heaven is more real than this very place. 
where we are today. Heaven is real. Look what Jesus said. Anybody believe Jesus? You believe Jesus? I happen to believe men who die and come back to life. I just believe what they say. John 14, 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Anybody got trouble today? Let not your heart be troubled. You know what our hearts are troubled about? You know what they're troubled about? Temporary stuff. Think about it. Everything you're worried about today primarily is temporary. Now, you may be a little concerned about your children who aren't right with God. That's eternal. But a lot of times, the things that have us so weighted down are all temporary. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, he says. Then believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And then Jesus says, if it were not so, I would have told you it wasn't so. Jesus is going, I don't lie. I go, Jesus said, to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, let me make you a promise. It's sure, it's sure, it's definite, it's definite. I will come again. He says, and when I come again, I'm going to receive you unto myself. And where I am for eternity, that's where you're going to be too. Isn't that good? Assurance. Look what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8. Paul said, so we are always, say it, confident. Look at the next word, say it. Knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are, there it is again, say it, confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Listen, listen, listen. Heaven is real. Are you hurting this morning? Are you suffering? Are you going through some things? Has the doctor told you it isn't going to get any better? Has he told you that whatever, listen, let me tell you, you're going to get relief. You're going to get healed. You're going to get set free. You're going to get delivered if you're following Jesus. Because when we go to heaven, it's all over. All of that is over. No more tears. No more crying. No more death. No more pain. It's real. It's real. Heaven is real. Somebody said, Pastor, what's heaven going to be like? Well, it'd take me a long time to describe it. Let me tell you what a couple of guys said. One fellow said that heaven is going to be the presence of all that is good. And the absence of all that's evil. Cut me off a slice of that. Amen. Amen. The absence of all that is evil. The presence of all that is good. Another fellow said this about heaven. He said, here's what heaven's going to be. He said, heaven is going to be all that the loving heart of God can conceive. How many of y'all know God is not limited in his creativeness? Heaven's going to be all that the heart of God can conceive, and it's going to be all that the omnipotent, that means all-powerful hand of God can prepare. Wow. Then let's look at the company of heaven. Not only the assurance of heaven, but the company of heaven. The Bible says, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord. Well, what does that mean, the house of the Lord? Actually, that word house means household. Household. If somebody said, Pharaoh, who's in your household? I wouldn't go, well, me. I'd go, me, Millie, Brandon, Mitch, I'd name a whole, everybody who's there. We're going to dwell in the household of God. You know what? David had a young son, and David prayed for his young son, who was very, very, very sick. And David prayed for him to be healed, but he died. And when he died, David got up from his praying, he got up from his fasting, he went and took a bath, and then he sat down at the table and said, bring me a double cheeseburger. And when he did that, one of his servants said, I don't understand how you can do that. He said, you've been fasting and praying for days and weeks for your son to be healed. And now your son is dead. And now you've taken a bath and you're going to sit down and eat a meal? And look what David said. Look what he said. David said in 2 Samuel 12, 22 and 23, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said in my heart, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? What did he say? He said, I will go to him. I will go to him, David said. Can I tell you that one of the the groups that you'll see when you get there are loved ones who have gone before you. Has anybody got a grandma over there? Anybody got a grandpa over there? Anybody got an aunt, uncle you love there on the other side? Anybody got a good friend over there? Anybody got a mama over there? Anybody got a daddy over there? Anybody got a, 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 a child? David's child went before he did. You got a little child over there? 
Some of y'all have been battling with miscarriages. You can't seem to get pregnant and have a child. You're battling. You've had a couple of miscarriages. Let me ask you something. Now, this may be over the line for some of you. But if I offend you in what I'm about to say, you come up after service and I'll forgive you. All right, here we go. Do we believe that that life begins at conception? Do we believe that in this church? Then if that's true, all those little miscarriages you had, they're on the other side. They're on the other side. Hey, hey, back in your old life before you gave it, did you ever have an abortion? Did you have an abortion? Let me tell you something. That little one's over there on the other side. Over there on the other side waiting for you. And listen. If you come to Jesus this morning, he'll forgive you of that abortion, wash it off like you never did it, like you never even did it. And he'll forgive you. And then when you get on the other side, that, that one you never knew will come to you. Millie and I, we had, a, we had an, a, a miscarriage. We had a miscarriage. And, and I want to tell you something. I believe, I don't know what his name is. I don't know if we'll name him. I'm sure he's a boy and I'm sure he's redheaded. <laughs> And I believe when I get to heaven and walk over there, I'm going to tell you something. I believe when I walk into heaven, somebody's going to come running up to me I've never met. I said, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. I believe what God can conceive is greater than anything we know. That little baby you aborted when you just didn't know God and didn't understand and when you were just following the Satan's plan for your life, that little baby's waiting for you over there. I'm telling you. And if you're not going to serve Jesus for any other reason, you ought to serve him for that reason right there. Amen? Y'all with me this morning? Can I preach like this? I'm going to anyway. <laughs> I heard about a shepherd who led his sheep to the, to the edge of turbulent waters. Remember I told y'all in this study that sheep hate turbulent water? That shepherd got there and the, and the stream was just rocks and stones and it was just making a lot of noise, you know. And The shepherd walked over on the other side and when he got on the other side of that creek or that river or whatever, he tried, he called, made the noise, you know, the sheep recognized, but they still wouldn't come. So he went on back over to the other side and he got a little baby lamb. When he got that little baby lamb, he took it in his arms on the other side. When that little mama, you, when she saw her little baby on the other side, she said, I'm going. That's how they walk in water right there. <laughs> they don't like it. They don't like it. And when that old mama, you, crossed that creek, boy, here come Papa, you. Oh, Papa, lamb, sheep. And, uh, and, and then here come all the other flock on the You know what? I think sometimes God, just like, just like Gina and Joe Hackett. You remember little Avery? Little Avery, little dancing Avery. Got a phone call one day, said, Pastor, Avery's sick. Avery's sick, Pastor. We began to pray and sent out emails and phone calls, pray. Not too long, though, Avery went home. I saw Avery's little sister come in this morning just dancing. Amen. Let me tell you something. I think sometimes God just gets a little lamb and puts it on the other side to make us say there's another reason to go to heaven right there. Because I want to go see Avery. Don't we all? Our loved ones are going to be there. Let me tell you who else is going to be there. Saints of old. We're talking about the company of heaven now. The saints of old are going to be there. Moses is going to be there. Now when I get to heaven, I'm going to have plenty of time. Some of y'all call me and go, Pastor, can I see you? And I go, man, I can see you next Thursday. And you're like, what? And it's just because, man, my schedule is just crazy, I'm telling you. Yeah, there's this woman, I keep forgetting her name, Millie. But I, I, I try to spend a little bit of time with her. And, uh, but when I get to heaven, man, no more schedule, no more Google Calendar. Amen. And I'm going to get me an appointment with Moses. And I'll tell him I want 10,000 years because i got plenty of time. And I'm going to sit down with Moses for 10,000 years, I'm going to say, tell me all about the wilderness wandering. I want to know all about it. I want to know what it was like, Moses, when you were sitting there with all those people from Israel and you were leading them out of bondage and you looked and you could see the smoke and you could see the, uh, the dust from the chariots of Pharaoh coming to kill you and there was that Red Sea and you didn't know what in the world to do and all of a sudden God just went, 
And you walked across on dry land, and now I'm going to put my hands under my chin and go, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Because, I mean, I saw it when it happened to Charlton Heston, but I want to hear it from you. And then I want to say, David, get your harp out, dude, and play me some 23rd Psalm and get down on it. And then David's going to look at me and say, man, I heard you preach that 23rd Psalm series. I thank you, thank you. He's going to say, dude, you didn't even scratch the service surface and then i'm gonna go i'm gonna go tell me tell me tell me tell me tell me amen and then i'm gonna get with paul and i'm gonna say paul would you please teach me the book of romans because there's some stuff in there i don't understand what you're talking about so tell me about romans then we get with john the revelator and i'm gonna say john the revelator who wrote the book of revelation what in the world did the third eye and the beast of the you know what the, what was that <laughs> amen i want to get some answers to this stuff and then Simon Peter. I love Simon Peter. I do declare somewhere is a hardison in that tree line, buddy, in that, in that family tree. Because he's always shooting his mouth off loud saying stuff that he didn't think before he said it. So I know he's kin to me somewhere. So I know when we get to heaven and we walk through the pearly gates, Simon Peter's going to go on, he's going to be <laughs> standing right there and he's going to go, didn't I tell you? 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 It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. So we're going to see all the saints of old. Y'all okay out there? And then we're going to see the Lord. We're going to see the Lord. You know that song? Y'all know the song? Uh, It talks about who you're going to see when you get And it says, but I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. Let me tell you what the Bible says about that. In Isaiah 33 and 17, the Bible says, Your eyes will see the King in His beauty. It's a promise. Your eyes. If you're saved, if you've accepted Jesus, you will see the King in His beauty. Isaiah 33, 17. Jesus said in Himself in John 17, 24, Father, I want these whom you've given to me to be with me so they can see my glory. So we're going to see... Our family, we're going to see Bible, all those who are in the Bible, we're going to see all the household of God, we're going to see the Lord, and how long are we going to do it for eternity, and that's the third thing about heaven you need to get down, is the eternity of heaven, tell them I said hello, the eternity of heaven, how long is heaven, how long is heaven going to be? Forever, forever, now listen, the Bible says we're like sheep, y'all stay with me, I know I'm preaching too long. But I'm going to just finish. We're like sheep. Sheep are nomadic. Sheep do not settle down. Sheep are, you know, if sheep aren't wandering off out in trouble, it's because somebody's leading them. What does the shepherd do? He leads them beside the still waters. He leads them uh, through the valleys. He leads them through the, we talked about last week, how he led them through the valley of the shadow of death. He leads them over hills, and, and he leads them through the mountains. And, and shepherds always lead them, but sheep are never still. And that's just like us, guys. Can I tell y'all something? This is so important, and I know you got your mind kind of on leaving, and I understand that. I got my mind on leaving too. But don't miss this right here. Don't miss this, please. I beg you, don't miss this. Do you all ever? Do you all ever say? Because I do this. Do y'all ever say? You know what? I pray and I read my Bible, and uh, and you know I'm I'm a Christian and I'm going to church and and my relationship with God's up to date. But why am I? Why am I still? Kind of not satisfied. Because pastor said, you know, that if you serve God, you'll have a contentment. You're going to have, but I'm still kind of not satisfied. Here's why. Here's why. Because the day you get, the moment you gave your heart to Jesus, the moment you gave your heart to Jesus, you were no longer a citizen of this land. The moment you gave your heart to Jesus, you became a stranger and a pilgrim. I love vacations. Anybody with me love vacations? Amen. But you know what else I love about vacations? Coming home. Coming home where people know me and love me and where I feel like I can just, you know, be at home and rest in that, get back in that life, you know, that's so comfortable. And look, that's why sometimes you struggle down here when you know you've got everything up to date spiritually, but you still got that restlessness. You still got that, you got that thing of you don't feel like you know you really belong here. And that and here's why you don't. 
your citizenship is not in heaven. And I'm not going to read this verse because it's too long. But Hebrews 11, 8 through 10, you need to read that when you get home. It talks about Abraham. Abraham was a sojourner. He was a foreigner in the strange land. And the Bible says that Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And that's what we're doing, guys. Listen, the minute you said, I want Jesus in my life and I want to give my life to you, the minute you did that, you, were a, you became a stranger down here. You became a stranger. We are pilgrims. Listen, listen. We're going through this world. We're on our way somewhere else. We're on our way somewhere else. We are not citizens of this land. We are not citizens of this earth. And that's why sometimes you just feel out of place, even though you know you've got your spiritual life up to date. You're never going to be totally at ease in this world because you are a stranger here. We're going to heaven, and it's going to be for eternity. Can I ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes? And can I ask you a question? Eternity. Eternity. Eternity is long. I told you I was going to sit down with Moses for 10,000 years and sit down with David for 10,000 years. And there's an old song we used to sing a long time ago called 10,000 Years and We've Just Begun. That's the way it's going to be in heaven. Eternity is longer than you can imagine. And when you die, you're going to go spend eternity somewhere. You're going to spend eternity in one of two places. You say, well, I don't like this kind of preaching. Well, tell it to Jesus when you get to heaven. Because you know what I don't want to happen? I don't want you to stand before God one day not ready and say, my preacher never told me. I'm telling you now. You're going to spend eternity somewhere after you die. And you're going to spend it in heaven or you're going to spend it in hell, and that decision is up to you where you spend eternity. Where will your spirit be five minutes after you die? You cannot fix anything then. You cannot choose another way. There is no room left for repentance five minutes after you die. It is signed, sealed, delivered, no turning back. But now, right now, at this moment, you've still got a choice. You've still got a choice of where you're going to spend eternity. So I'm asking you to choose this morning. And I want to say something to you. Every time you say no to God and walk out of a church, your heart gets harder. Every time you say no to God and walk out of a church, it gets easier to say no. It gets easier to turn God down. Don't get that callous around your heart. Don't get that old hard, crusty layer around your heart. Just say yes to Jesus today. I want you to pray this. Everybody with me, pray out loud. Dear God, you gave your son Jesus. He died on a cross, rose from the dead for me. Lord Jesus, risen from the dead, come into my life. I've been running from you, making excuses, but not today. I invite you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Live in me. I accept you today, right now, as my Savior. I'm going to serve you. I don't understand it all, but I give my all to you. In Jesus' name. Let me ask you something.